This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. The Dolphins broke Brandon Staley and the Chargers, and it should be permanent. Let me explain. So a couple of new odds come out this week showed that Brandon Staley is a favorite to be first coach fired. I don't think it's going to happen. Here's why. They have the Titans this week. Winnable game. Very winnable. In fact, the most offensive thing that came out this week on a on a string of offensive things for Chargers fans is that Ryan Tannehill was so angry about the New Orleans performance that he kept calling the Chargers San Diego. Sad scenes. But then they have the Vikings. Winnable game. Raiders winnable game. Then they start a brutal stretch that includes the Cowboys and the Chiefs. But the Chargers have not normally normally fired guys unless they had to we've seen that in the past but it is more than time barring a miraculous turnaround to the season i'm talking about beyond october 1st when they end their their easy stretch they had justin herbert one of the best young quarterbacks in the game and by the way even though the offense wasn't the problem if you just look on the other sideline on sunday and saw what mike mcdaniel was able to do with his quarterback you can only imagine what would happen if there was a stud offensive play caller not kellen moore in Los Angeles. Um, but that's not why they should fire him. Um, they should fire him because he has consistently underperformed with a what I consider to be a stacked roster. And on Sunday, all of the things he said he was going to get better at on defense, which was his expertise, allegedly, um, he did not do it. Uh, most explosive plays given up in 11 years since the Saints and the Lions did it on the same day uh, offensively in 2012. Um they were 31st in explosive plays allowed last year. They said they get better. They didn't. Single covers against Tyreek Hill, six catches, 10 targets, I believe 150 yards, two touchdowns. Do not treat Tyreek Hill like any other receiver. Do not uh, somehow lack a pass rush with a roster that should have it over and over again. Most expensive linebacking group in the NFL by salary cap dollars, third most expensive defensive back group in the NFL by salary cap dollars. Um, this is a roster that's ready to win now. And I think the biggest indictment is nobody thinks that this is a Super Bowl contender. It should be with that roster, with the amount of time Brandon Staley has had to do it. So I don't think he's going to be the first coach fired, but he should. He's going to get some leniency over the next couple of weeks. They have too much talent not to eke out some games, but there's a lot of guys who want this job or should, I haven't, I haven't talked to anybody who's out of work, uh, but there's a lot of guys who should want this kind of roster with that kind of quarterback. There is not a lot of positive buzz at the water cooler, but Brandon Staley in this league. Not a lot of people saying, ah, oh, if he just gets this, 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 and this. Not a lot of optimism this is going to work. So I thought maybe Josh McDaniels would be first coach fired. He he won over Sean Payton on Sunday. That's changed the calculus. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think we're starting to see who it deserves to be and barring a miracle, that's Brandon Staley. All right, let's get to Matt Schneiderman, and then we have Debo Samuel at the end. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code BET. Amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas? Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Matt Scheinman, Packers writer at The Athletic, a buddy of mine, a mustache where it's still happening with the mustache there, Matt. Listen, if Aaron Rodgers isn't here, someone has to carry on the tradition of the mustache early in the season in Green Bay, so I might as well do it. Why not? The real reason is I'm going to a wedding with all my college roommates tomorrow, and I like to show it off to them because none of them can grow a mustache like this. What? No one can grow. No one in your college group can grow a mustache like that. It's not even that good of a mustache. Let's be real. I know. No, I know that. That's the thing. The groom. Uh, has I call his mustache taco meat because it's real patchy and just like dotty. So I'm honestly just trying to show him up at his own wedding, which is probably a, a bad friend move from me. Uh, yeah, but you know, yeah, that's that's you. You're a bad friend. Um, so let's start here. Um, speaking of Aaron Rodgers not being there, I don't think maybe the Packers saw it coming. I thought Jordan Love was going to be good. I didn't know if he's going to be that good. Uh, one of five players to have an average depth of target over ten. On Sunday, they showed, and I saw Ben Fennell put this out there, they probably showed more on tape than any team in the NFL on Sunday, like as far as formations, as far as concept, as far as different things in their bag. Um, let's start here. Did the Packers think Jordan Love was this good? And, 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 and how was the journey towards them understanding they could trust him? They were cautiously optimistic. And I go back to a conversation I had with Brian Gutekunst this offseason – and I asked him, 
why are you confident Jordan Love can be the guy? And it was funny because Jordan Love's only start before this season was against the Chiefs in week nine of the 2021 yes. season when Aaron tested positive for COVID early in the week and Jordan was thrown into the fire. Packers lost that game 13-7 to at Arrowhead. Jordan, to a layman, did not play well. No. I think he targeted Devontae Adams 14 times. They completed <laughs> only six passes. He was pressured 16 times, yeah. spags through the kitchen sink at him. But what Brian Gutekunst told me is we and Matt LaFleur has said this since we loved how Jordan kind of persevered through that. Gutekunst told me they didn't have a good plan to support Jordan in that game. Especially with the zero kinda, blitz. Especially with the zero blitz. Exactly. And also they just didn't have like the biggest problem is they just didn't have enough time. Like he got thrown in the fire very quickly. Oh, of course. And they've seen kind of how he's progressed throughout practice, whether it's going against the number one defense when Aaron's been nursing injuries the past couple of years or this offseason kind of taking the reins of it coming into this season they were cautiously optimistic but it's the cliche of you never really know till you get thrown in the fire when I asked Aaron about Jordan earlier this year I think it was after they lost to the mm -hmm. Lions in week 18 he said he remembered waking up in Southern California in 2008 to 50 text messages saying that Brett Favre was finally right. gone and he's the guy and it all hit him at once but you don't know if you can handle it till you're thrown into the fire and I wouldn't classify going against the Chicago Bears defense as being thrown <laughs> on fire, but he certainly did well with what he was faced with on Sunday. When you found out you were the only guy in Green Bay with the mustache, was it a similar phenomenon? You just got 50 texts and it's like, hey, man, you're, you're carrying on the mustache legacy in Green Bay. Was it kind of similar? Yeah, I said, I don't know if this is going to go over well till I get thrown <laughs> into the fire. Matt LaFleur has probably called it out. Um, yeah. You know, John Runyon Jr. Oh. has a good mustache. He's their starting right guard. So I have some competition. Let me tell you something. Matt LaFleur, like, between the eyebrows, the haircut, which he now no longer cuts himself. I was the first to break that, by the way, that he yes. actually has a barber doing that. That was award exclusive this time last year. He's got a high standard um, for grooming. So you just you can just you can just throw that out. Speaking of Matt LaFleur. There's been so much back and forth. It was in such an easy narrative. Again, it's kind of like the Jordan Love's going to throw short passes. He's just going to take easy wins, like that kind of narrative, which just bubbles up. And I was joking with someone yesterday, like, I wish I could just not consume or talk about football from the day after. I mean, damn, Super Bowl would be generous. But yeah, I, I can talk about the draft. That's fine. The day after the draft until like the day before week one, like nothing that is said there matters in any way, shape or form. But one of the big narratives in the offseason was the LaFleur offense is finally going to rear its head and we're finally going to see it because there were two playbooks. I do agree there were two playbooks. People said that on the record. I do believe that there was a blending of the McCarthy system and the LaFleur system and what Rodgers was comfortable with and using the cadence to declare and the, and the West Coast offense and all that stuff. Um, I do believe that was happening. But LaFleur has pushed back a lot on the idea that this was going to be here comes LaFleur's playbook. And, and I think he said to Domovsky, it may, may have been to you as well, like, I don't even know what that means. He was like, I don't know what the LaFleur offense means. I mean, I think people are conflating it with the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, but let's let's just put it to you. What we saw on Sunday was what in relation to what we thought the quote-unquote LaFleur offense was going to look like? It's a big question here in Green Bay this offseason because – we don't exactly know yet. And on the topic of LaFleur pushing back on it, he did say that to Rob. And he's also said that plenty in front of a microphone. Like, I don't know why you guys think we're finally going to see my offense. The reason he says that is because he doesn't want to make it seem like Aaron had 
this autonomy over him and had this power over him where he could change everything Mm -hmm. where the reality is he's Aaron Rodgers. He should be allowed to change some stuff. Jordan Love, it was funny because our buddy Jason Wilde asked LaFleur yesterday, how many plays that you called on Sunday did Jordan change? And LaFleur said, I don't think there was one. And people kind of took that and ran with it. But if you ever want to know what's really going on inside 1265 Lombardi, put team president Mark Murphy in front of a microphone. Yes. Because he got up to the podium the day training camp started and said, I think we're finally going to see Matt's true offense. So (laughs) that's the truth. Listen, we saw the Packers do a lot. I... This is my fifth year covering the team. They hadn't run a triple option in a game right. that I remember until the second play of the game against the Bears. They should never run that again because it almost got their second round rookie killed because Jordan Love just tossed it off to him. But I think the biggest difference we're going to see is them spreading the ball around. So often we heard Aaron Rodgers is forcing the ball to Devontae Adams, da 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 da. And for good reason, Devontae yeah. then and still is you know, either the best or among the best wide receivers in the NFL. But what this allows Matt LaFleur to do without kind of like a clear cut number one, and Aaron Jones is terrific. Christian Watson's good, but they got Luke Musgrave, AJ Dillon, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. It allows LaFleur to mix and match with different personnel, run guys on different routes, instead of just saying Devontae Adams, get open. And sure, maybe it does help LaFleur's vision that he has a quarterback who will listen to him. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing that Aaron didn't always do that. And there's been some debate about what LaFleur and Rogers' relationship was over the past couple of years. And I want to make one thing clear. If they had a bad relationship, LaFleur would have had him run triple option just out of pure spite, but he didn't. So they had a good relationship. Um, NFC North, just big picture because the Vikings lay an egg on Sunday. And I, I tend to throw out, I throw, I throw out disasters in week one. So like I threw right. out the Bengals, right? Complete disaster. A couple of years ago when the Packers lost by 31 points in week one, I remember we had James Jones on the next day and I was like, what happens in a game like that? And he's like, honestly, you just kind of start laughing to yourself and you just kind of like, this sucks. And you move on. It's no, no grand, no, no grand uh, statement from it. No grand declaration. Having said that the Vikings going out and like the bucks, just getting third down after third down late in the game, giving up easy passes. Um, that worried me a lot. Um, that's the kind of thing I actually do take in week one, the lions winning on the road against the chiefs team that even though they didn't have two of the three best players, that's something that you can, you can take. And you know, there's a floor because of how good their line play is. And, and, uh, and Ben Johnson, their OC and all that stuff. Um, the Packers feel their wear in the division, especially this week. I would imagine they have to feel they're right at the top. Are they? I don't know. That's the thing I hate about week one is there's always a caveat with it. With the Packers, it's, well, it's the Bears. With the Lions, it's, well, they didn't have Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones. With the Vikings, it's, well, you know, one score games, we'll get back on the right side of these things because we did last year. I think the Packers, and I picked them to finish second in the division behind the Vikings. The Packers don't play a team that made the playoffs last year until week eight in the Vikings. They have the Falcons on Sunday, then the Saints, Raiders, or Saints, Lions, Raiders, Broncos, then the Vikings and the Rams. So they knew that this was the part of the schedule that they would have to take advantage of before they get the Chiefs and the Chargers and then the Lions again in the second half. Mm -hmm. The Packers are riding high. They understand it's just one game. But it has to feel good for not just Jordan Love in the offense, but a Joe Barry-led defense Mm -hmm. that needs to perform because I would argue Joe Barry's coaching for his job. Uh, Everyone's heard the seven, eight first-round picks on that side of the ball. They have eight this year after they drafted Lucas Van Ness in the first round. 
they need to come to play. And, and Sunday was a good start. Seven of those points were in garbage time, and a lot of those yards were in garbage time. But I think the defense dictates yeah. how far this team goes, not just the offense. I agree. How does the roster feel, especially like David Bakhtiari? I think there was some some worries that he would want out, and that was basically impossible uh, as soon as Rodgers got out. But like part of this roster was built around the idea that there was an MVP and they were ready to win the Super Bowl. Then a young quarterback comes in. They don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. Rodgers has said in the past, whether it's true or not, that guys come to play with him. Um, the guys who were in the locker room, was there any sort of hesitation on embracing Jordan Love? And has that changed over the past couple of days? Or have the guys been all in pretty much the whole time? Yeah, it's interesting because throughout this offseason, we were like, oh, are they going to bring back an Alan Lazard or a Randall Cobb right. or a Robert Tunyon or a Mercedes Lewis? And I'm speaking specifically wide receiver and tight end. Yeah. The Packers have their top two tight ends as second and third round rookies. Their wide mm -hmm. receivers, their most experienced ones are Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who each played less than 13 games last season as right. rookies. Brian Gutekunst made it a point to say, we are not going to let veterans take away snaps from the young guys. If you put him up to a lie detector test, he would say the way he built the team this offseason was more about 2024 and beyond than 2023 mm. sure he wants to win now mm -hmm. but there is a reason he didn't re-sign adrian amos randall cobb tunyon mercedes lewis lazard he traded rogers he wants to let these young guys play and within the locker room i don't know if it's oh we can be ourselves now because the big bad aura of aaron Rodgers isn't around but you had jair alexander like hopping on jordan love's back and right. putting him in a chokehold during interviews on camera saying he's the best quarterback in the league <laughs> on gary photo bombing his you know post-game interview with aaron andrews mm -hmm. saying stop playing with him if you watch the video that the packers put out after the game when jordan love gets a game ball like these guys are rallying around him and you brought up bakhtiari i sat down with dave for a story i did uh, i think i sat down with him two weeks ago so sure. he had the comments about the rebuild and then having to clarify it. He's the oldest player at 31 years old on the NFL's youngest team. <laughs> Everyone wants him traded to the Jets. He's told me that he didn't really know what to expect coming into this season. He was just describing what he felt Brian Gutekunst was doing based on what was on paper. But he said, yeah. based on what he saw during training camp, he was pleasantly surprised because he thought the Packers had a really effing good roster. And he seems fully bought in. I get the sense, and maybe he's just BSing me, but if there's anyone who keeps it real in that locker room, it's the left tackle. He seems fully bought in, and I didn't quite know if he was going to be entering camp. Last thing before we get to Rodgers. Uh, anything about the way this offense is going to evolve that we should be on the lookout for? Is there anything that Love is especially good at that we didn't see, or did did we sort of see a kitchen sink type of offense on, on Sunday? I thought we saw a kitchen sink type of offense. You know, he didn't really have to make any tight window throws. And I don't know if that's just I feel so Matt bad for Bears fans listening to this and being yeah. like, yeah, well, it's the Bears. No tight window throws. I, I don't know if it was because the Packers are just so good at scheming guys yeah. open or the Bears just don't cover people. Like mm -hmm. Luke Musgrave had one play where he starts, you know, inline blocking and then he leaks out kind of runs diagonally deep down the left side of the field. And Jordan Love fumbled the snap, picked it back up, threw it off his back leg, found Musgrave for 37 yards. Musgrave tripped over himself right. and still nobody was near him. Like that's why I say you have to take week one with a grain of salt. But I do think we saw a full complement of what he's capable of. A quarterback who doesn't slide when he runs, a quarterback who's not afraid to take off. There weren't any designed runs for Jordan Love. 
Yeah. I assume we'll see some more of those because he can move, but I think we got a pretty good sample size of what we can come to expect with this Packers offense this season. You know Rodgers well. You did a piece with him earlier this season, which is one of the best things written about Rodgers this year. Talk to him. Um, is Aaron Rodgers going to retire? I don't think so. I remember something he said. I don't remember when it was. It was a couple of years ago when we were talking with him about, you know, retirement and what's next. And he said, I don't want to go out like a bum is the exact quote that he used. Now he was obviously referring to his play on the field, not his physical capabilities and being able to walk like a normal person. But yes, Aaron Rodgers did say to McAfee that he was, 90% into retirement when he entered the darkness retreat. So my first thought when I was stunned watching the game on Monday night was, is he really going to want to go through this rehab if he was that close to retirement? But before he posted, you know, the Batman quote on his Instagram yesterday, (laughs) I thought there's no way this guy wants to go out like this. Not only did he, you know, commit to the Jets for a couple seasons, he can change that all he wants. But I don't think he wants to go out like this. He is a guy who cares about what people think of him, regardless of what he says. If I've come to know one thing about Rodgers that he would never say publicly, it's that he reads and sees everything and he cares a lot more than he leads on about his public perception. I don't think people, well, maybe they would, but I don't think it would be fair for people to say, oh, he's a quitter, he's giving up. But I don't think he wants to go out like a bum. And I think, would he be one if he retired? No, but I think in his mind, He doesn't want people to even have that excuse to think of him like one as someone who takes the first excuse out of a career. I think he's going to come back and play for the Jets next season. I agree. Um, I also think that we tend to retire guys too early in our, because we're wired. We're not wired to be great quarterbacks. You and I, and all these podcasters and all these people on Twitter. And I was telling the story the other day um, after Marvin Harrison Jr. Got, a uh, little nicked up in the Indiana game. I, I don't know why. I was just trying to get angry, I guess. I Twitter searched Marvin Harrison. It's all these losers saying, if I'm Marvin Harrison Jr., that's the last snap I'm going to play as a college player. I'm walking off the field. And it's like, well, has anyone asked Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because what it seems like is he likes playing football and he likes playing for Ohio State University. He could have transferred for $5 million somewhere. He could have just open, noped out of the entire season. Like, we don't put ourselves, we're, we're just sitting and posting. That's all we're doing. And for someone like Rodgers, He's got all these outside interests. Everyone says, well, maybe he could just go to host a podcast. Whatever. He could have done that five years ago. He could have done that five years ago. And he says that he's 90 was 90% retired, but that doesn't mean he was 90% retired. And you don't get to this part of, there's lots of guys who get to this, to get to the NFL who don't love football, but they don't become all-time greats. And they don't get to this year and they don't get to age 39 and 40 as being still playing MVP caliber, unless you truly love football. And so I think that there's always this idea of being like, all right, well, that's it for him. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like half of these guys who are 50 would love, like, you remember the last dance, the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson thing? Just, Wouldn't yeah. you love to be out there? Like, that's how these guys are wired. And they almost all go if they love football until the wheels fall off. I think Rodgers is really going to try to come back and finish this, this storybook ending. I think so, too. He told us a couple of years ago that he wanted to play well into his 40s. He's 39 now. He turns 40 on December 2nd. And look, I know he didn't have a great season last year. I don't know how it gets glossed over. He played with a broken throwing thumb from week five on. He never got surgery on it. And it didn't become public until a kid on a -a make-a-wish visit at the Packers facility with Rodgers tweeted about it. 
and we had some fun with that. He's he's a good kid. I've I've met him a bunch because um, he has you know a Packers podcast is active on Packers Twitter. But love that. Listen, it's you're not going to play well as well as you normally would if you have a broken right thumb. And all it took for him to come out of a game was when he thought his lung was punctured against the Eagles. <laughs> so listen, he's a tough guy. I think he'll be back. He doesn't want to go out like this. Well, some of it just being around him so often. And by the way, he's like very accessible and yes. he's, he's, and I think people overlook that sometimes and, or they don't know. And one of the most media friendly quarterbacks in the league. And that, that's why I was kind of laughing when, and this is now dated because he's not going to play, but like, that was what I was laughing about. Oh, he's going to hate the New York media. He's going to love the New York media. He's going to love the New York media. And you saw that with like Connor Hughes, where he's making fun of him playing or not making like kind of joking with him about playing golf after his kid was born and getting a house and all this stuff. Like nobody knows how to, I don't want to say play the media, but nobody knows how to play the media game on a, on a local level better than Aaron Rodgers. So what's, uh, so having said all that what's one that people don't know about Aaron Rodgers. That's a good question. And, and I hesitate to say, you know, I know these guys because we're not in their world. We, we only know right. part of them as athletes. I, I would say he is way more human than he seems. Now, have I disagreed with Rogers on things he's done, things he said? Sure, of course, sure. I've called him out publicly Same. on it. But guess Same. what? I, I think when it comes down to it, all we want out of these athletes, and you know this as someone who's covered this sport for a while, is them to treat us with respect and respect the job we have to do. So listen, Aaron has given me the cold shoulder in the locker room. He's called me out for you know things I've tweeted. Maybe that was more jokingly, but he sees everything, but he still talks to me because I, I think at the end of the day, you want people who respect that you show up every day and kind of going along with what you said, he spoke every Wednesday for about 15, 20 minutes in front of his locker every single time. He would sit at his locker and just yeah, shoot just the stuff with the local guys time after time. And you you heard him in his last press conference after they lost to the Lions. He, by name, singled out probably the six reporters that have covered him the longest in Green Bay and pulled out an anecdote about something he remembers most about them. He loves ribbing reporters, whether it's calling Rob Domofsky Bob because he hates it. Or I remember at a training camp practice in 2021, I was wearing... Crocs with socks at practice. We don't need to get into that discussion. I, it was just casual day. Didn't want to show my feet. Aaron came over and gave me crap about it. So I jokingly tweeted that, hey, at Packers, your quarterback is bullying me at practice because I'm wearing socks with Crocs. Crocs reached out to me, said thank you so much <laughs> for the free publicity because Aaron quote tweeted it with the gift from the hangover saying you're too stupid to insult. Crocs sent me an entire box of <laughs> free stuff. Crocs, socks, sandals, all that stuff. So that's my lasting memory was that Aaron Rodgers got me free Crocs. But in reality, that's not that's not a badge of honor. I think he can be, you know, a lot I could fill in that sentence with a lot of swear sure. words. But I think he's a human when it comes down to it. And if you take the time to get to know him instead of just picking stuff out from his McAfee appearances and listening to his vaccine takes, whether you agree with them or not, you know, he can be a, a real down to earth guy that is just a human like the rest of us. So the thing I've found, and I have a big question after this, but um, the thing I found is that he is old school in the sense that all he wants to do is have a dialogue with reporters. So like he has disagreed with things I've written. He has gotten angry at things I've written. And then 
as long as I just kind of show my face and I'm just like, Hey, I'm here. Let me know if you have a problem. He's totally good with it. And, all and that I, there, there's not a lot of guys like that anymore. It's like a very old, like, and he, I don't want to call him old, but he is old. Like it's a very like mid two thousands newspapers are important kind of thing where you have the dialogue with local beats. So it's a little bit different. Okay. All of this leading to a huge question, Aaron Rodgers, when he's done with his career, whether that's next fall, whether that's two falls from now, whether that's three falls from now is going to be doing what? Ooh, you know, he has said with Pat that he doesn't want to get into broadcasting. I don't know if he wants to get into coaching. I think he honestly just goes off into a cabin somewhere yeah. and just, just, play, enjoys and just his play, time. plays golf for the four, whatever, $400 million or whatever the hell he's made. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy. And again, I've only known him for almost five years now. And that pales in comparison to, you know, what other people know of him and they know way more about him than I do, but he seems like the kind of guy, and I'm not saying people who get into broadcasting or podcasting or whatever, you know, only do it to stay relevant, but he doesn't seem like a guy who needs to, you know, be around the game Mm -hmm. after he's gone. He seems like a guy who, when he retires, will be completely at peace that he's separated from the game and will find other things to do because as we know, he has plenty of other interests. But maybe he starts a podcast with Aubrey Marcus, who sure. has nothing to do with football. But I don't think maybe he has a spot appearance on McAfee every now and then. Or, or this is football with or Kevin this Clark is football on of Omaha course. and ESPN. Both ESPN properties now. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you. but yeah, I, I think he kind of just rolls off into the sunset and we don't hear from him often. Not quite like Andrew Luck, but to some degree. Mm-hmm. The idiots who were like, oh, Andrew Luck should come back to play for the Jets. Yeah, I'm sure that that Andrew Luck saw a bad offensive line and was like, give me that. Give me that. Yeah, I, I want to um, come back now. Uh, yeah. Um, last thing. Uh, Falcons-Packers. Interesting. More interesting game than maybe people thought. I thought both these teams were pretty good. I think I picked both these teams to, to win their division or at least make the playoffs. I definitely picked the Falcons um, to win their division. I didn't do formal picks this year because I, I quit my job the day before the season. Um, but uh, what, um, what, what, are we, what are you expecting in this one and, and what should we look out for? If the Packers can stop the run, they win. You know, since Brian Gutekunst took over as general manager in 2018, the Packers are last in the NFL in defensive EPA per rush. Dead last. They just run it back out with the same guys year after year. Kenny Clark and a couple, you know, mediocre veterans, whether it's Dean Lowry, with all due respect to him, Jaron Reed, Tyler Lancaster. This year, kind of going along with the theme all of... All due respect to the mediocre veterans. With all due respect, letting the young guys play. Devontae Wyatt, D-lineman from Georgia, yes, who they took course. with the number 28 pick last year, had the second most pressures in the NFL in week one with six. He played 23% of the defensive snaps last year. He was a menace. Second only to Jalen Carter, his former teammate at Georgia. Of course. TJ Slayton, their 2021 fifth round pick from Florida. Kenny Clark, you know, Lucas Van Ness, Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden, their two day three picks this year out of Bowling Green and Auburn have played pretty well. If the Packers can stop the run against Algier and Bijan Robinson, they're set up to go. Just like against the Bears, if they could stop Justin Fields from scrambling all over the place, which they did to an extent, just force the guy to pass. Force Desmond Ritter to throw the ball, and they should be good to go. I think the Packers win narrowly. Falcons are better than the Bears, but they got to stop the run, which they really have never done consistently in the past five seasons. 
Matt Scheinman together. He's got to get to practice, late practice, noon practices in Green Bay. What is LaFleur doing? He's looking out for the beat writers. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Sean McVay. Thanks, I, I know what, Jordan what? Rodriguez told me Sean McVay has his morning press conferences at like 6.45 a.m. That's just cruel. He's grinding. He's grinding, man. I don't man. care if he's grinding. That's mean. That's why he wants to retire. He, has, he wakes up at three to talk to, to, to the beat writers there. Um, all right, buddy. We'll see you down the road. Thanks for coming. This is football. All right. Thanks, Kev. All right. That was awesome stuff with Matt. I want to follow up a little NFC South talk before we get to Debo Samuel, where we're going to talk NFC West. Um, I was really impressed with the Falcons on Sunday and their ability, new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, Jesse Bates back there, one of the signings of the offseason, two interceptions. They basically, between defensive coordinator and safety, knew what Bryce Young was going to do. They bullied Bryce Young. They knew he was going to throw over the middle of the field. They knew the formations, knew the routes, and it sounded like everything uh, just fit, just fit, which is all you can ask for when you bring in a high-priced veteran. They did that on the defensive line, too. Things at least improved. They're not going to be the worst pass, uh, pass rush win rate team in, in the nation as they were last year. Um, and so – I'm expecting a weird sort of dogfight between them and New Orleans in the NFC South because they have easy schedules and they're competent and their car can make enough plays. Dennis Allen is an okay coach. They were actually, if you look at some of the metrics on offense last year in New Orleans, pretty good at play calling, even in the Sean Payton, uh, the, the post Sean Payton era. So um, it's becoming, and this is a weird thing to say with the Tampa Bay win, uh, it's becoming one of the most intriguing divisions of football. Not that it's going to produce a Super Bowl contender, but I think we might see some interesting games. I think we might see like almost like like action in uh, in college football, where it's like, all right, we're going to see some wild games. We're going to see some teams that know how to win, that have a floor. Tampa Bay winning, I think, changes the calculus on how we're thinking about uh, whether or not they were tanking or whatever. They probably should, but let let's just take what we can get. If the worst team in the division is a Panthers team with Frank Reich calling play as the coach and Bryce Young, who I think is a really intriguing rookie um, and, and all those, a, a bunch of young, interesting players and Brian Burns trying to get a new contract. If that's the worst team in the division, this is an intriguing division. I am in on the NFC South. Let's get weird. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any, you know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Debo Samuels here, one of the best wide receivers in football. He's here with Snickers. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm happy to talk to you. Um, let's start here. So uh, earlier this week, the Jets had a stomach punch. And if you play for the Jets, if you root for the Jets, it's an awful night. Aaron Rodgers goes out 75 seconds into his Jets career. Everybody's excited. 
you've gone through it where you've had to go to a backup quarterback midway through. You're a wide receiver. Your your livelihood is dependent in part on a quarterback being good. Like, what's the emotional transition to a backup quarterback, and and, and what do you tell yourself? Uh, I don't mean any disrespect in this way, or you know, um, but in this league, it comes with injuries. I've been there. Uh, a lot of my teammates been there. Obviously, a couple of quarterbacks we have been there. It's kind of like, you know, um, it's the next man up mentality. And with the position that we play, you know, um, you never want to see your your starting quarterback go down. But at the end of the day, this is part of this game. So, um, you know, um, nobody want to see Aaron Rodgers go down. You know, we're going to keep him in our prayers and, you know, um, hold the best for him. Hopefully he come back because I love his game. Um, and I also don't have to play against him anymore. Um, when <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, man, um, it's it's kind of tough. But in this in this game, you know, it's just like I kind of stay this next man up, and you just got to be ready for the moment. Uh, so let's go through uh, where the season's at right now. Obviously, you have the big win against Pittsburgh. You have the Rams coming up. I like to t- go through different plays in a guy's career to kind of exemplify what they're all about. And you break tackles. You are amazing in the open field. You can do basically whatever is called upon you. You run really hard. You use guys uh, leverage against them. It's, it's interesting to watch. Uh, I want to go through the Rams touchdown you had last year, last October, you're in the open field, you're scampering through the entire defense. Um, What's the key when you get the ball? So let's, let's start here. Uh, Towards the at the at the at the start of the play near the line of scrimmage, breaking those tackles and getting away from guys. What's the key to to the running style that allows you to do that? I think it's a I think it's a mindset thing, and um always you know um always told I'd be joking in the room with uh, our receiver coach and and stuff like that. Like um you can never tell a guy where to run uh, in any aspect. Uh, only thing you can tell him is run the space, and you know right. that's that's what I do. And, you know, um, if a guy did there, I always had the mindset of, like, one guy's not going to tackle me, and I always want to score every time I get the ball. So um, that's just, like, my mindset. So you guys – and first of all, George Kittle has the same mindset. Like, he loves to run at guys, guys get out of the way, all that stuff, just run hard. Is that something that, like, was scouted on the front end by John and Kyle, and they're like, all right, we're going to bring these types of guys in, or was it a mentality implanted in you guys once you guys got there? No, I think they, they. I think that's just the culture that we built, and that's the type of guys that we we draft and bring in. So you're in the open field against the Rams, and there's just a million bodies around you, and you're finding space. Like, take me through what that's what that's like. How do you read guys? How do you figure out where they're going, where you're going, where that you, you said you know run towards space? A lot of times that's easier said than done, Debo. Right. Um. You definitely got to run the space, but also it makes it, it makes it easier once you do. If you go back to that play, you see how hard Kittle's blocking, how how yep. hard Juice is blocking. And uh, also the lead blocker towards the towards the end zone, Brandon Ayuk. So they don't make it as hard as it looks um, for us, like running the space in the sense when you got guys that's like blocking downfield and just like selfish players like that. When you get to San Francisco, are guys who are wide receivers used to blocking that much? Are there guys who get there and like, I didn't know I was going to block this much? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, kind of remind me of uh, Ronnie Bell. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy. He was like, bro, y'all block a lot. Y'all block hard. I was like, yeah, this is Kyle offense, so get used to it. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about a little bit about uh, Brock Purdy. You had a great catch on Sunday against Pittsburgh where he basically free rusher comes in, he flips around and finds you. Like, what does he do well? How did he get this job, and what has he impressed you? Uh, what, what has impressed you about him so far? Um, since day one, he came in a huddle. Like, he always had – the like the most confidence in the world and you know what i'm saying in his in 
himself, you know, and uh, it kind of shows. But uh, Brock, Brock has this swagger and his attitude about himself, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's go get the job done. And so, like, we kind of feed off that, and it's actually fun. Um, one thing that Brock do real well, even when he's scrambling, is keeping his eyes downfield. Uh, even though he's really good with his legs, he always likes to look downfield before looking to, you know what I'm saying, uh, run. Because, one, you know, we don't want him to take any hits that he ain't got no business taking. When you t- talk about his demeanor in the huddle, what is it? Like, where does that swag and confidence show up? It's just like a big old smile. It's just like, I mean, you know, like how you see certain people like walk around, you be like, yeah, he got a little swagger about himself. That's kind of like what we see about, see with Brock. That's really fun to see. Obviously, beats out Trey Lance. Like, I think there's been so much talk show minutes and hours filled up on, on the Cowboys trade and all that stuff. But, like, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, in order for Trey Lance to reach his ceiling, what what needs to happen? Um, does he need to go to a place where he's going to play? Like what, where, what, what, what is your hope for Trey Lance's future as far as uh, what his path is and, and how he reaches the ceiling? Um, one, you know, I really uh, hope he really get, you know what I'm saying, um, get an opportunity to show um, all the things that he, you know what I'm saying, capable of. And like, you know, um, we, we, we gave him a shot here and, you know, um, Brock Purdy was just doing a good job. It's just like, mm-hmm. you can't take the, take the job from a guy that, you know what I'm saying, that, put you in a, a real good position to be, you know, super, uh, be a, knocking at the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I wish Trey the best. You know, I'm not going to speak too much about, you know what I'm saying, that situation. But um, I love Trey as a person, love him as a teammate. And just, you know what I'm saying, um, things just didn't work out for him here as expected. So we do something called Badasses, which is the biggest badass that, no, we, we 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 play around with it, but normally it's the, the biggest badass you've ever played with. That could be anybody. That could be someone at, at South Carolina. That could be someone with the, uh, the, the 49ers now. Just a guy who's just tough as hell or always does the right thing or talks more trash than any, any human being on the planet. Like, who is, in your opinion, the biggest badass you've ever played with, Debo? Uh, Trent Williams. Explain. Uh, I mean, you just turn the tape on. Like, nobody wants part of him. Uh, lead blockers you see him you know what I'm saying knocking people out uh, you see us vibing coming out of the locker room with the bum box it's just like the energy and the and like the stuff that he plays with and how locked in he'd be uh, when it comes to games what's been your favorite moment playing with him was there a block was there a moment was there a game where he just destroyed some some poor young man man it's so crazy like we have moments literally every day um, it can be something different at practice or a game or even just like chilling so like um, we it's just like the team that we have, like we you have so many moments and so many memories with like like with, with all the guys. So it's just like, you know what I'm saying? I love the team that we have and the team that John and Jed and Kyle and them built around us. It's like, um, you know, it's kind of it kind of remind me of like college teammates, kind of mm-hmm. like a big brotherhood in a sense. How does that get developed? Is that just a, a good culture? Is that Kyle letting the players? Lead? I think like- I think it's a I think it's a culture thing, and I think it's just you know uh, once once guys get there and see what type of team we have, it's just like like how can you not like want to be like that, you know? Quick lightning round for you. We call it Statue of Limitations Theater. It's stories you can tell now. Uh, start here. What is the wildest thing anyone's ever said to you on a football field? Opposing player. What's so crazy? I was just talking about this earlier. Like, I'd be so logged in in the moment. I don't even care <laughs> what people even be saying. <laughs> uh, hardest DB you've ever gone against? It's two of them: Pat Sertan and uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Let's go through each of them. What uh, What is good about Pat Sertan? How patient he is, how big and physical and smart he is. And uh, Marshawn Lattimore, I go back to you know um, 2019. 
um, and just how smart and how fast and quick he was and twitchy he was at the time. But uh, those two right now, it's like they're they, they, they one of them guys. Is there a stadium that is harder than most to play in? What's the hardest stadium to play in, in football? One of the one of the loudest stadiums I've been to was New Orleans in 2019. That yeah. was probably the loudest. Like it's it get crazy you now. It's unbelievable. I didn't know how loud yeah. it could get. I went to the NFC title game, the one they played against the Rams, and I remember like golf and those guys were just like putting their hands and their ears. Just Bro, being like, I can't loud. hear anything. It's, it's insane. It's insane. And also like. They play later in the afternoon. There's a lot of alcohol in New Orleans. Fans get up for it. Like, wow. Like, night games and, and 4 p.m. games uh, can can pop off, I guess you can say. Uh, what is the best you've ever felt on a football field? Like, a play where, like, if you could just bottle that emotion. It doesn't matter if it's a broken tackle. You trucked a guy. You mossed a guy. What is the, what is the play that you think exemplifies Debo Samuel? I think when I, when I was basically told Kyle, like, to give me the ball and, uh, against the Cowboys, Yep. Uh, that one time it was just like how much I believed in myself and how much I believed that I was going to get a job done for, you know what I'm saying, our team. And then it happened. It was just like, wow, that was a real crazy moment right there. What was the key to that play? I actually watched it a little bit earlier. What was the key to that play? Um, Definitely following the blockers and just like seeing the the hole out the back door. Um, And it just happened. And once you see space, I, like I said earlier, you just got to hit it. Yep. Uh, tell us what we're doing with Snickers. Um, one, you know, I'm excited, excited to be a part of Snickers. You know, um, this year the brand is launching a Snickers lunch shop to help fans uh, avoid em embarrassing mistakes of not having a lucky item to support their favorite team. The online store is open today and will drop lucky items from Snickers NFL partners throughout this season. So be sure to go to SnickersLuckShop.com to enter a chance to buy those items. Awesome. All right, Debo Samuel, thanks for coming on. This is Football Brother. No problem.